You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. It's creepy, yeah? <laughs> How many of you guys have Netflix? This show called Stranger Things. This is kind of like a spinoff off of that. It's a show that has gained quite a following, and it's weird. It's definitely weird. It's bizarre. There are strange things that happen in it, hence Stranger Things. And really, and, and you could go into all of the nuances of the plot and all of that kind of a thing, but really what the show is talking about and really what this series, this brand new series of Stranger Things is talking about, if we, if we kind of zoom out, is there's reality as we know it. We live life and we know what's real. We know what's normal. We know what to expect. Our experiences show us things and what we feel shows us things. And that's reality for us. But there exists another kind of reality. In the case of the TV show, there is this kind of strange reality. And we would submit that in the realm of God and what God has for our lives, there's the reality that we know. And then there's God's reality. And oftentimes, it's counterintuitive, so it's strange. So the word I want to kind of throw out this morning is this, this word adversity. Adversity is a struggle. It's something that we all go through, whether that be misfortune or pain or suffering or anything that, that we're going through in our lives that's trouble or hard, that can be under the broader umbrella term of adversity. And the question is, when we are going through adversity, it's like, if you're here and you're a Christian and you call on Jesus as your Savior, the question becomes, why, why am I going through what I'm going through? Why is it that if God is really, and maybe you're here and you don't call on God as your Savior, maybe this is your very reason as to why you're not jumping in or maybe why you're not giving God the time of day because you, you read the Bible and you see that God, he's, he's awesome. He created all of, the, all of people in the earth and the cosmos. And the question is, if God truly is sovereign, meaning he's in control, if he really is omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful, if he is omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing, or if he's omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere, why is it that I'm going through what I'm going through? Why am I suffering like I'm suffering? Why am I going through adversity like I'm going through adversity? Surely if this God is in existence or if he cares or is loving, why is he letting me go through what I'm going through? And that's a question that we're going to answer this morning. And I believe that it's, it's an answer that people, everyone needs to know and needs to hear. At the table, which David already plugged it, I'm shameless, so I'll plug it again. If you are between the ages of 18 and early 30s and have nothing to do on a Tuesday night, even if you do have something to do on a Tuesday night, I guarantee you this is better. So at 7 p.m. on Tuesday nights, why don't you come and hang out with us in the best family in the world because I love Tuesday nights. We would love to have you. But every month we have what's called a discussion series, which is like a sermon series, but we discuss the, the topic at hand for an entire month. And just a couple of months ago, we had this discussion series called The New Now. The new now, and the whole premise of the discussion series was there exists a reality when we are apart from Christ or if we don't have a personal relationship with Christ, and then we kind of cross over into a relationship with Christ, and now there are new things. It's the new now. And when asking the group as a whole, 
as to what's new in their lives that, that's kind of different before they followed Christ. One of the people in our group who's actually sitting here this morning, Carson Nichols, which side note, she got married to Jason Nichols because they met where? The table. So if you're single, <laughs> it works out. I ain't ashamed. I'm not ashamed to throw it out. Anything short of sin to get you to hearing the truth of the gospel, man, I'll get you, you, might find the, you, know, you might find your future spouse. But she responded in a way that I, I just have quoted like 15 times already because it's just so awesome. And it really sums up the whole message right at the beginning of how she answered, what's the new now in her life? And she said this, before following Christ, I struggled. And I know that that was a struggle for no reason. Yet when I came to follow Jesus, I was struggling for a purpose. God was doing something. Before Jesus, I was going through struggles for no reason. And when I started following him, I had assurance and confidence that what I was going through, what I was struggling with, my adversity, was to my benefit. There was a purpose behind it. And that's really the whole of the message this morning. And it's a massively encouraging one. And the question is, how does God work through adversity? What can we expect of God in the midst of adversity? What is he like? What does he want for us? And how should we respond? What's he up to? I can assure you that it is strange. It's strange. It's counterintuitive, but it's the truth. And it's something that is massively and wildly encouraging this morning. So I am just very excited to preach it. And I know someone in here has got to hear it this morning. Amen. So let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. If you're listening via podcast, I want to encourage you to also turn to the scriptures. 1 Kings, use the contact, um, the, the, the books in the, in the beginning to get there. Yeah, that one. 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to start with verses 1 through 6, but I want to kind of give some context here because God sends this prophet Elijah. And if you grew up in church at all, then you know this is Elijah with a J, not Elisha. And you you know you're always getting them confused. Like I was getting them confused constantly. So this is Elijah sent by God to deliver a very specific message to the king of his people, God's people, Israel. Back, God had, had, had kind of started a relationship with a people known as the people of Israel and had a covenant relationship with them. And, it, and he spelled out how we're supposed to be acting in this covenant, what I require of you and what I'm going to do for you, Israel. And one of those things is you shall have no other gods before me, meaning you should not be worshiping any idols. There should be no other God you are worshiping, you are following, but me, Israel, and once you know, Israel had gone into some trouble, gotten into some trouble, worshiping some idols. And in Deuteronomy 11, verses 16 through 17, God says, you're not supposed to be, you're not supposed to be worshiping any idols. And if you do, then I'm an angry God, and I am going to, to I'm going to shut out the sky, and I'm going to bring drought into your land, and there will be no resources. So don't do it. And wouldn't you know it, the nation of Israel had done the very thing that God had told them not to do, and they had worshipped idols. So here in 1 Kings 17, 1 through 6, is this whole series of events where, where God sends his prophet Elijah to speak to the king of Israel, Ahab. And so Elijah goes up to Ahab and says, hey, you, you guys have been, you guys have been, Worshiping idols. I've been sent by God and there is not going to be any rain. I am shutting the sky and you are not going to receive any rain or resources until I say otherwise. 
And in that moment, Elijah was there and the drought began and it occurred. There was a drought occurring. And then God, he speaks to Elijah. And this is what he says in 1 Kings 17, three through four. So the news had already been delivered to Ahab through Elijah. And then God says to Elijah, leave here and turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed, this is correct, you're reading this correctly, you are hearing this correctly, the ravens to supply you with food there. That's strange. That's strange. This is stranger things. So we're going to read some strange things that occurred in the scripture. This is crazy. God's saying, there's a drought, and that means that Elijah was not immune to the drought. Elijah was actually sent by God to, to administer a kind of justice, a drought, to bring drought into the, into the land, to bring adversity. And he was not immune from that adversity. God, he sent him, in effect, into adversity, into struggle, into hardship. God, he sent him into adversity. So the principle there is God's calling, it may lead you to adversity. And in fact, if you are experiencing adversity in your life, that does not mean that you are outside of the will of God. In fact, it may be that you are experiencing adversity because you are exactly where it is that God has wanted you to be. Oftentimes, I think we get into these moments where we're in adversity and we're experiencing adversity and we wonder, God, is this where you want me to be? Well, here's an example where, where God had sent Elijah into adversity. And the truth is, he very well may. No, in fact, he will send us into adversity. He will send us into adversity, into people's lives who need help. We will experience adversity. And it's strange the way that God wanted to provide for Elijah in the midst of the adversity. Can you imagine? You gotta appreciate this for a second. Imagine you're Elijah and you are experiencing this drought, this adversity. Then you hear this command from God saying, Turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Like we have some friends who are missionaries in Africa where food shortages and droughts are actually. Uh, almost a, an everyday occurrence. Like there's always some kind of struggle ad, or adversity to that effect. Can you imagine like <laughs> if God came and spoke to Brian, the missionary of Kenya and said, hey, go out to Masai Mara. This is actually a correct term, by the way. A dazzle of zebras, like a flock of birds, dazzle, group of zebras. That's, a, that's free, that's good. A dazzle of zebras are gonna come and bring you food. You'd be like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense what you are calling me to do here. His direction, it may seem strange. You know that God has led you to a specific place and now he is calling you to do something and you just say it's strange. It doesn't make sense to me. Here's what you need to know. God, he's got a plan. And oftentimes it's counterintuitive to what we know from our experiences as to do what's best or to do what's best for us. He might call us to do something strange. God, I, I, I'm already, it's already tight as it is financially. What do you mean you want me to give 10% of my, of my income? It doesn't make any sense. That's strange. 
God, this person is sucking me dry, yet I feel you wanting me to continue to pour into them or to not lose hope in them and to invest in them, but like, that just doesn't make sense. It's strange. God, I know you don't want me to give up on my wife or on my husband, but that is just so strange. Look, God, he calls us to do things that are oftentimes strange. It doesn't seem like it can happen in our own minds. It doesn't seem possible. It doesn't make sense. It is simply strange. But our response makes all of the difference. This is what Elijah did when God had called him to go to this place and expect food from who? What? Ravens. Ravens. Birds. Those are birds. Birds are bringing him food. Very weird. Strange. Elijah. This is what he did. So he, what? He did what the Lord had told him. Elijah had did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens did what? They brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. God, he, he always keeps his promises. God, he always keeps his promises. We know that even back to the beginning when Elijah was talking to Ahab about this drought. He said it was going to happen. He kept his promise. He said he was going to provide. If Elijah went to this place, Elijah went to the place and he provided. Here's the thing about God. You need to hear this this morning. God's plan is provision. God's plan is provision in your life in the midst of adversity. Does that mean that I am preaching to you a prosperity gospel? No. What I'm saying is God knows exactly what you need exactly when you need it. And God, he wants to provide for those whom he sends and them, those who he calls. The pathway to the provision is our trusting obedience. God, he wants to give you what it is that you need in your circumstance and in your adversity right now. You need to hear this this morning. God, he has not given up on you. He has not forsaken you. God has got a plan for your life and he wants to provide. He wants to give you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. His plan is provision. The question is, are you going to receive what it is that he is providing for you? The pathway to that provision is trusting obedience. What is it that Elijah did? He did what the Lord had told him. And it comes to this moment where you come to realize this loving God, because so many of you know this to be true from experience. You've trusted God through adversity and through hardship when it was so difficult, when it didn't make sense to cling on to him. And yet you clung on to him and you experienced his provision in one way or another, whether that be peace, whether that be finances that just come in, whether that be security or hope or influence. God, he provides in all kinds of ways. But our, our mindset becomes in the midst of adversity when we do this and when we see God rightly, when we take him at his word, when we see him as a loving God whose plan is provision, we start to begin to think, okay, I may not, I may not be immune to this adversity. I may not be immune to the adversity Versity in which I was called, but I, I know God will take care of me. That's the mindset. That's the heart condition. That's the confidence. That's the trust in God. I know 
that I may not be immune. As God calls me, as he leads me to invest in this person, to do this right thing at work, as I'm going through what I am going through, I know that God has got a plan. I know that he cares about me, and I'm going to trust in him. His plan is provision. There's something about adversity. When we experience adversity, there's something about it that's, that's meant to build us. God, he wants to use adversity in our lives to build us up. How many of you watch Shark Tank? Yeah, I like I love Shark Tank. If you don't know what Shark Tank is, I'm gonna explain it to you. So this is actually a really, this is a great show. I wanna encourage you to watch it. It's really awesome. There's like a bunch of investors that kind of sit up in this, sit in this room and they're all like, you know, multi-millionaire, like billionaire tycoons, like investors. And then it's just so fun. Like people come in and they pitch like, either invention ideas or businesses that they've developed up to a certain point. And they want to uh, wanna ask for the investors some money, capital, their, their connections, blah, 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 so they can basically become rich. And everyone wants to become rich. But the thing that's great is you sit back and you watch it and you start to think of yourself as like, you, I, my problem is I start thinking I'm an investor. Like I actually know something. I'm like, it's not going to work. I ain't giving you my money. <laughs> no one's asking for my money. I got no money to give. and no money to give there, Okay. Like a million dollars, you crazy. For like a sponge, no way. All right, so there's this one dude who came in and he had this invention of the sneaker. It was this, it wasn't the sneaker, that wasn't the invention, that's been invented. It was a plain sneaker, white, and then you could print images of whatever you want onto the sneaker. I think it's kind of stupid, but everyone else seemed to love it. Um, so you can like take a picture of like, let's say your favorite dog at home. And once you want to wear a picture of, you know, whoever dog on your feet. So he had actually done pretty well up until this point. He made a ton of money and he wanted some more money. And, and he was young, kind of smug, standing in front of these investors asking for this money. And side note, he was paying himself a six-figure salary from the company, and yet he was asking for money. And so Mark Cuban if you don't know who Mark Cuban is, he's basically the most wealthy of all of the investors. Actually, his net worth is worth more than all of them combined. He looks at this person and he's just so torn because he kind of wants to help. He, he sees the value in this company, sees that it's going places and that it would be profitable. But it's something about the guy and he was just like, I don't know. Ugh. He said, you're paying yourself a six-figure salary. I, 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 don't, I, I don't think you're willing to hurt for this. And then Damien says something like, do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that he can't teach you adversity. There's something about adversity. There's something growing. There's something that God wants to do with adversity that's, that's going to grow us and mold us and shape us. He lets us go through what we go through because he is in control. Because it's going to take us somewhere. James 1, 2 through 4. I've quoted it before and I'll quote it again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you are faced with trials of many kinds, adversity, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you might be complete and mature, not lacking anything. God, he allows you to go through what you are going through in your adversity because he wants to bring you to this place of not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. I heard one preacher say it like this, and oh man, do I love it. I love it, I love it. It's so good. He said, it's the difference between a microwave and an oven. How many of you like to eat Hot Pockets? Don't be ashamed. 
Yep, I saw a couple hands go up afterwards. You put that in the microwave, you heat it up for a certain amount of time. What is it? It's hot on the edges, but where is it cold? In the middle. God, he, he wants to put us through adversity and allow us to go through adversity so that we might be complete and mature, not lacking anything. Consistent temperature, well done all the way through. God, he has a plan and he wants to use adversity in our lives to bring us to a certain place of completion. And that's just strange. It's strange, but that's how God wants to do something in us. Take heart. You are going through what you are going through without, for, I mean, for, no re, for a reason. You are going through something. You are going through adversity because God has got a plan for your life if you call on him as your savior. And so the strange thing is, as followers of Jesus, we run into adversity confidently instead of hiding or trying to avoid it because we know that God is glorified in his ability to provide in the midst of our adversity. God, he wants to give us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. But the story doesn't stop there. That's what God wants to do in us through adversity. But 1 Kings 17, 7 through 24, the 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 event continues on where Elijah, he's received this food from the ravens, is drinking from this brook, but then the Bible tells us that the brook dried up, and so God led him to a different place. He led him to this woman, this widow who had a son, and said to Elijah, go to her and, and she's going to feed you. I have told her and I have prepared her. I have planned for her to take care of you. The scripture says this in 1 Kings 17, 9b, I have instructed a widow there to supply you with food. So Elijah, he goes up to this widow and he says, hey, I need you to bring me some water and bring me some bread. I'm without food. And, and meanwhile, this, this drought is, is everywhere. She's experienced, the widow is experiencing the same drought. And this is what she says to Elijah. I love this. I love how God had, he said, plans for the widow to take care of him, yet the widow clearly didn't really know this. So this is her response to Elijah when Elijah asked her for food and for water. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. God had prepared and had planned for this widow to take care of Elijah, but all she sees is her portion. And she says, I, I don't have enough. We're going to die based on what we have. How am I going to feed you? I don't even have enough. It's one thing for us to experience adversity on a personal level. And God, he may, will allow us to go through adversity and experience adversity for a reason, for a purpose, a plan to bring us to a certain place of completion. But God, he also wants us to go into other people's adversity. He has a plan for us to, to charge into other people's adversity. He wants to do something in us and through us in other people's adversity. What she had was meager, but what God had was grander because Elijah said, once hearing this from the widow, he said to her, no, 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 God, he, he's, going to, he's going to provide. Something miraculous is going to occur. It will not run out. It will not run dry. Bring what you have. He's going to do a miracle here. And she took him at his word. 
She went away and did, this is 1 Kings 17, 15 through 16. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. God, he keeps his promises. What she had was meager, but what God had was grander. When adversity comes and God is calling us into adversity, I know that it is daunting because how often do we have the similar response that the widow had? I just don't have enough. I don't have the kind of time it takes. I don't have the skill. I'm no leader. I can't do what it is God has called me to do. Look at this adversity. Look at this mess. God wants me to do the right thing here. I can't do that. I'm not, in, I'm not capable. We need, I need someone more qualified than this. It's just simply not, a, not enough what I have to, to offer. My portion is insufficient for this adversity and to make an impact. But God, he, wanted to do, he wants to do something with what we have to offer. John 6, 9, 5,000 people are hanging around Jesus. And Jesus says, we need to feed all these people. Right? We need to feed all these people. Disciples come up to him and say, Jesus, there's, there's no food. There's, we, don't, we don't have enough food. We don't have enough food to, to feed all these people. All we have is this little kid's lunch. Five loaves and two bread. Nope, yep, five loaves, two fish. <laughs> I mean, that's all we got. He says, perfect. Go start distributing it. Start handing it out. There were leftovers. And 5,000 people in the biblical times was written only to include the men, not accounting for the women and the children. The question is, are we willing to provide our lunch? Are we able to give it all up to God? Because what God can do with our portion is so much more than what we can do. And in fact, it's miraculous. So many of us only look at what we have to offer, but we don't look and see what it is that the infinite, holy, and, and amazing, all-powerful God of the universe can do with what we offer him. God wants to do something through you in other people's adversity. How many of y'all like hockey? You guys like hockey? I love, I love the videos on YouTube of like little kids playing hockey with their hockey sticks. All cute, you know, it's nice. And then like Sid Crosby comes up into the picture. And you know, Sid Crosby's like, you know, he's the best or whatever. He's just amazing, incredible. And so the kid gives his hockey stick to Sid Crosby. And man, in an instant, like, boom, 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 like just, I don't know, I guess that's what hockey players do, right? Like, I got baseball thrown in there, I don't, I don't know. But it was literally amazing what this professional goat, greatest of all time, oof, careful hockey fans, watch out, this awesome hockey player could do with this kid's stick. In the same way that we offer our gifts and talents, our efforts to God, it's amazing what God can do with what we offer him. Are we willing to give it up? And the thing I also love about those videos is the confidence it instills into the kid when he receives the hockey stick again. He saw something. He learned something when he gave that stick up to the professional. He saw a stick a little bit different. I know from experience that when I charge into this, it's not enough for me to do it on my own, but I know God is capable of doing something amazing with this. And God, he wants to do something amazing with what you have to offer him. And I'm thankful to God for it. The miracle 
it comes with surrender. The miracle, it comes with surrender. God, he did something awesome with this woman's portion. It only came when she was willing to surrender it. The miracle, it comes with surrender. There are two problems that occur as we begin to wrap up this morning. There are two problems that can occur in the midst of adversity. One is you can become consumed by adversity where things just get so clouded and so emotions and reactions. And it's like in that instant, it's like a knee-jerk reaction is so much in those times to, to forget God. Like, God, I'm going through what I'm going through. There, to be completely consumed by it. Another is a potential danger is to not even be aware of the adversity. And maybe if you're here and you haven't called on Jesus as your Savior, the Bible tells us that we have all experienced and are experiencing adversity, a broken world, and that we're messed up and we're, we're sinful. We're messed up. We're not perfect. And so many people aren't aware of the adversity in their lives. But God, he wants to come in and he wants to do something through the adversity. And if you find yourself right now in a situation where you're experiencing adversity and it seems too much to bear, that you are consumed by the adversity, you're like, man, Mike, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know what I'm going through right now. The story didn't even end here. Elijah getting fed by all these ravens, drinking from the brook, and then going to this widow, experiencing two miracles. The adversity, and this is actually a principle to understand also, the adversity actually increased. Things got worse. Even in the midst of God providing, things still got worse. Even when it was difficult, things still got worse, but God wasn't done. The widow's son, there was enough food for everyone, but the widow's son became ill. And the widow's son actually died. It's like a peak of adversity. And she had this moment that I think we all have found ourselves in maybe once, one time or another where she, she freaked out at Elijah and said, what is this God, man? You said that God was going to take care of us. My son died. This isn't the way it's supposed to go. This isn't the way it's supposed to happen. Who is this God? And so oftentimes I think we get to that moment of peak adversity where we're consumed by it. But what we do in the midst of that moment makes all of the difference. Because it would have been easy for Elijah to just say, screw you, God. You said you were going to take care of us. And here her son has died. Forget you, God, and turn his back on him. And so many people will turn their back on God in the climax, the peak of their adversity. But what is it that Elijah did? He turned toward God. And with all of his might and with all of his power, and in some strange ways, we're petitioning God, saying, bring him to life, God. Bring him to life, God. Bring him to life, God. And the son raised to life. The clarity. This is, this is what the widow said. <laughs> when God had raised this son from the dead, this is what the widow said. Now, the woman said to Elijah, 1 Kings 17, 24, 
Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is from from your mouth is the truth. The clarity, it comes with consistency. God, I might not always see, I might not know what you're up to here or what your plan is in the midst of what I am facing, but clarity, it comes with consistency. She had already seen God do some things had seen the multiplication of the resources, a pretty amazing miracle. But the clarity, it came with consistency down the line, down the road. I want to invite the worship team to come on up this morning. And I'll never forget this time I sat down with Larry Kennard, who is David Kennard's dad and someone who I really value as a mentor. And if you don't know who Larry Kennard is, an amazing man of God who, who had a very long and amazing marriage with his wife, Leona. And she actually was diagnosed with cancer and passed away. And I had this moment of, of being able to sit across a table with uh, my wife, Lauren, and, and spoke to, to Larry. And one of the questions I asked him was, Larry, how, how can I be sure that I'm going to respond okay. Like, I'm going to be okay when the people closest to me pass away. Because I got to tell you, Larry, I'm I'm terrified of it. I'm terrified of it. I hadn't really experienced loss in my life to a large degree. You're scared of that adversity and when when it's going to come. And Larry, he, he, he kind of, being a person who has done this, who knew that the clarity, it came with consistency of a life long lived following Jesus. He looked at me across the table and said in his nice, if you know Larry's nice, like peaceful, loving way, he said, well, Mike. You never can really prepare for it, but God's gonna get you through it and you're going to see His plan. If not at first, then at some point you're going to see what God was up to. The comforter, he comes right when you need him. He provides what you need exactly when you need it. That's what Larry said. So, when we have adversity in our lives... The question is, how will we respond? Will we turn away from God or turn toward God? This is amazing, this reality that exists. If the Bible is true, then Carson is also true in saying that before Jesus, I struggled and I went through adversity for no reason. Yet now that I follow Jesus, I know that I struggle and I face adversity for a purpose and for a reason. The fact that two options exist, that the positive option exists, is because Jesus, he charged headfirst into adversity. In a broken, messed up world, he did not turn his back on us, but he went into the world and lived a perfect life for us. And he died the deaths that we were to die, taking on all of the world's greatest adversity, experienced the greatest death the world will ever see, the greatest act of love the world ever will see. He was put in the ground 
And three days later, he rose from the dead and he ascended into the heavenly places so that when we put our trust in Jesus, the first to charge headfirst into adversity, we can now charge so strangely headfirst into adversity. We need to not run from, avoid, or try to escape adversity, but we need to leverage adversity. That's the main takeaway from this message this morning. We need to leverage adversity. He God, he wants to provide, and the pathway to that provision is trusting obedience, and clarity will come with your consistency. God, he is not done. He has not given up on you. He's got a plan for you. He wants to do something in you and through you. We need to leverage adversity. How strange it is to be viewed by the world. They will begin to see, why is it that you are so peaceful in the midst of what you're going through? How can you keep doing what you are doing Why do you seem so confident? Why has your joy not been sapped? How come you haven't given up? Why do you have so much hope? Why are you so strange? It's because I know God is doing something through this adversity that I'm facing. I'm leveraging it. God wants to do something in me and through me. He's a provider. Take heart, church. God knows what you're going through. He weeps along those who weep. And he is so wanting and ready and willing. He will get you through what it is you are going through. He will give you exactly what you need when you need it. He's a provider. Keep trusting in him, obeying him. And clarity will come with your consistency. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you've given us another way, a different option where we can now see that the adversity we face is really by design to make us into the best versions of ourselves. God, as you lead us, as you direct us into other people's adversity, I pray that you would help us, encourage us, show us, give us clarity with every step. Help us to offer up those areas of our lives, our gifts, our talents, our resources. Help us to give them up when they're so hard to give up, God, but show us. God, I pray that you would bless the person who gives it up that you show them how good of a life this really is, how this really is by design. Help us to leverage adversity. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen. We're gonna prepare to respond this morning by taking communion together. There are tables at the four corners of this room. I wanna encourage you, if you call on Jesus as your savior here this morning to go ahead as we begin to sing and as the music begins to play, to go to one of these tables and and grab a bread, a piece of bread and some juice and head back to your seat and we're gonna take communion together. Let's go into this moment of worshiping with the utmost gratefulness for our God who has given us another way that we might not be consumed by adversity, but we would be able to leverage it. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.